Thank you for listening to this message from Southridge Community Church, located in Clinton, New Jersey. We hope God speaks to you through this message today and that you find new ways to apply His Word to your life. Additional messages and more information can be found on southridgecc.org. So let's get started. My name is John Ciotta. I am the pastor of family ministry here at the church. So I have the privilege of getting an opportunity to work with basically nursery through college and the families associated with that. Um, I love my job. I really do. I love having the opportunity to connect with families, to walk, to journey, to walk alongside. Another thing that I love having the opportunity to do is share God's word. I I truly believe it is a privilege to be up here and to share God's word and to to dive into the text. And so today we're going to be getting into Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. We are actually, uh, we've been in a study called Trial and Triumph, and we're actually going to be bringing that study to a conclusion today. Um, Now, we are not done with the book of Revelation, which is great news. Uh, We're actually going to be starting a new message series next week, which will be covering Revelation chapter 4 and 5. Before we actually get into the context, the background, and even the text itself, there's something I need to tell you, and that is sharing with you my relationship with the book of Revelation. I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I was born in a Christian household. I went to Christian uh, high school. I went to a college which taught about the Bible and prepared me for ministry. And I've been in ministry for seven to eight years now um, as a pastor. And the book of Revelation scares me. Does anyone else feel intimidated by the book of Revelation? Oh, thank you. Some people are very open about that. That's uh, Truly, this book intimidates me greatly. It intimidated me when I was younger, and it intimidates me to this day because there is so much controversy surrounding this book. People read it, and they have different interpretations, understandings, viewpoints, things like that, and people have vastly different arguments about it. And so for, often, for a long time, the way that I approached Revelation was like, God's got it. It's all good. Don't worry about it. You know, like that was my approach to it. And the reality is, I think I actually missed out on a number of blessings by not getting into the book. You know, over the past year, year and a half, I've been studying more and more Revelation. And I can truly tell you, I am still in that place. (laughs) I still am saying the same thing. God's got it. He's good. But I feel like I have a greater understanding of just his sovereignty, of his truth, of his, his love, his care, and the patient endurance he encourages for us. So my challenge for us today is not, not to shy away, but to dive into the text. And truly, there is so much that we can get into today. I'm going to do my best um, to present it well, to share it well, but I would encourage you to study it on your own as well. So let's, let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer, and then we'll talk a little bit more about some background. Father, we love you. Um, God, I just want to pray for your Pray for this time, pray for your word, that it would continue to be penetrating our hearts, minds, and souls, that you would actively um, remove distractions from our lives that may prevent us from thinking and processing. Would your Holy Spirit work in ways that literally can only glorify you? Um, Would it just be, yeah, a testimony to who you are, your word, your truth, and your goodness, Father. We love you, Lord, and we give you this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, before we even start reading, there's some things that I want to set into, uh, set into place. One of the reasons why I believe Revelation is so unbelievably powerful is because the inspiration and the way that John writes it is just 
incredible. It's incredible. John does not just write a letter or write the book or write, write these passages. He also uses cultural context to challenge the hearts of the readers. He uses cultural context. For example, it'd be like if I wrote you a letter. We all know that we're in Clinton, New Jersey, right? So you're in Clinton, New Jersey, and a major landmark is right down the road. It is the mill, right? We take it for granted because we see it all the time. But the mill is a major landmark. It would be like if I wrote you a letter and I said um, something along the lines of, large is the mill that will crush your enemies. I, I don't know why I would ever say that to you, but... You would immediately be brought to the idea of the mill because that's your cultural context. We need to understand the cultural context of Laodicea, which is the church that is receiving this letter, in order for us to get the fullness of this letter. Not only do we need to understand the cultural context, we also need to understand the text. And what I mean by the text is the Bible. Truly, understanding and knowing the Bible I once heard a pastor say, um, if you go to a study on Revelation and you don't bring your Old Testament, you are just wasting your time. You're just wasting your time because there's so many fruitful and beneficial quotes from other portions in God's word that we have to have the wholeness of the Bible in the way that John writes Revelation. So we are going to challenge we are going to challenge our hearts, our minds, our souls, not only with the words that are written, but also the cultural context, as well as the text, all right? And that is kind of the three-pronged approach that we're going to take for our message today. Now, before we get too far, I want to just give you a little bit of cultural context. So hang with me. Please do not check out, all right? Because this is really important. Um, there are some information you need to know about Laodicea that is going to show up in this passage, okay? So first off, Laodicea. Well-known area, well-known town, well-known city that is um, heavily influenced, um, often was known for a couple of different industries, okay? A couple of different industries. One of them was producing and manufacturing eye medicine, otherwise known as eye salve. So they were well-known for eye medicine. They were also well-known for a black wool that they would create. Okay, and they take this black wool and they would transform it into what they call tamata. Okay, I'm almost positive I'm butchering that. Uh, but tamata, and tamata was like a black leather. As you can imagine, that would be incredibly useful, right? Black leather being used for not only clothing or articles, but also industry, uh, for saddles and other elements like that. They were known for their black wool. They were also known for having one of the largest banks in Rome. In fact, archaeologists have actually uncovered some of the, uh, the coin and, and the money that was produced out of Laodicea. In fact, they found coins that were produced by Laodicea that actually had the writing on it, we did it ourselves. That is going to come up later, I can assure you, okay? We did it ourselves. Another important element for us to understand that does not take place today, but did take place during this time, was the privilege that was given to Roman soldiers. If you were a Roman soldier, you had a certain right or privilege to do certain things. For example, you were able to go to knock on any citizen's door and demand a meal. 
You just walk up, knock on the door, you need to give me a meal, you need to feed me. And that person was then obligated to provide a meal for them. Not to join them for a meal, but to provide a meal for them until they were satisfied. Interesting, right? Some of you are like, I don't like it when my friends show up to my house. I'm not going to like some random person, right? So these are some of the cultural context pieces that are so unbelievably important to our study for today. So we're going to be in Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 to 22. I'm going to ask Diana to come up. She's going to be reading for today. And I want you to just really focus as we read this passage. See if you can pick up some of those cultural context pieces that I just covered as Diana reads. To the church in Laodicea, to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor nor hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy for me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness. Salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. We see this letter, and we're going to break it down into smaller pieces to just digest it a little bit easier. But we see in this letter that there's not really a positive sense around it. Uh, In fact... You know, it kind of starts off with, to the angel of the church in Laodicea, these are the words of the amen, the faithful, the true witness, the ruler of God. And then verse 15, I know your deeds and that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either one or the other. So because you are, ne- you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am going to spit you out of my mouth. Not your customary formal Hallmark greeting card. Right? Uh, This is not how you would introduce a letter unless you were incredibly disappointed and disgusted with the way things were going. Now, we're going to start. Cultural context. Let's open it up from cultural context first. Okay? Because I think we misquote this all the time. There were two towns close to Laodicea. Oropolis and Colossae. Colossae was known for its cold water springs. It produced Cold water, which was helpful for drinking and and medical purposes, while Heropolis produced a hot water spring, which was useful for uh, comfort, relaxation, and also medical benefits. Because Laodicea, located in between, did not have a natural spring, it had both waters piped in to Laodicea. But because of the distance that it had to travel, by the time it got to Laodicea, it was Luke warm. So as these individuals are drinking of their lukewarm, utilizing their lukewarm water, this passage means more to them 
than what we may translate it in today's culture and context. Like, basically what is being said here is, hey, listen, serve a purpose. Be hot or cold. Do not be lukewarm. Nobody, nobody takes a shower and is like, ah, oh, yes, that lukewarm water is just right. Nobody pours himself a glass of water and goes, mmm, room temperature, just as I was hoping. Right? Nobody does that. They all want cold or hot. You serve a purpose behind it. And that's what's being communicated here. It's not about, it's not about, listen, I, I have to just, it truly actually makes me sad. <laughs> uh, some of the time, the way that I was taught this passage. And I, just listen, like we, we have to understand the cultural context and the understanding of what this passage was intended to say. I was taught this passage through a 21st century lens. Right, the idea that we got to be on fire for God. Anyone else hear that message before? Anyone? Okay, on fire for the Lord. Right, get your T-shirts out. It's we're gonna be on fire for God. Right, or God wants you to be totally against Him and completely iceberg cold. I I've missed something here. I didn't understand what 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 is going on, and honestly, I justified it. I justified it by saying this: It is better to be lukewarm or. Uh, burning hot, on fire for Jesus, or to be totally cold. Because if you're lukewarm, you're a bad testimony for God. Right? You're ruining it. If you say that you follow Christ, but you don't actually follow Christ, well, you're not a good example. So it's better for you just to hate God. Doesn't that sound wrong, maybe, that we want people to hate God? Like, that doesn't quite add up to the God that we know. Listen, we're all on a journey, and I'm, I'm certainly not, uh, I'm not advocating for one. I, what I am here to challenge you with is what the actual message of the text is saying, and that is serve a purpose. Serve the purpose that God has given you. We know the purpose that God has given us. It is to, on this earth, glorify, worship, and honor him. That's what we're here to do. Now, we have different gifts and abilities to do that. But that's our purpose. So serve the purpose. Don't be this lukewarm in the middle where God's giving you gifts and abilities, but you're not using them. You're not glorifying God. Serve a purpose. Be hot, which is beneficial, or cold, which is beneficial, but do not use the gifts and abilities to be lukewarm. This gets furthered as we look at, so that's the cultural context. Now we look at the, the text, right? We go all the way back to Leviticus chapter 20, verse 22, which says, Keep all my decrees and laws and follow them, so that the land where I'm going to bring you to live may not vomit you out. You must, live according, you must not live according to the customs of the nations I am going to drive out before you, because they did all these things and I abhorred them. Leviticus 20 is surrounded by the commands that God gives to his people as they're entering into this promised land. And as they enter into the promised land, God's like, listen, don't lose sight of the purpose that I have given you to honor and glorify me. If you lose sight of the purpose, you'll be just like all those other nations that I want to vomit out, that I want to spit out, that I am disgusted with. Church, let me ask you, as we look at the passage, we see that the Lord was disgusted by the Laodiceans because they did not fill, fulfill the purpose they were given. Are we fulfilling the purpose that God has given to us? The letter does not stop there, but we pick up 
in verse 17. Verse 17 says, You say I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. What was that statement that was inscribed on the coin again? We did it ourselves. What do you think the heart posture of the Laodiceans was? Maybe one of self-sufficiency? The challenge of this letter is you have gathered up wealth for yourself that you believe that you do not need God. But in the process of doing that, you have become spiritually bankrupt. And you have missed the entire point. And what does Jesus challenge them to do with that? He says, buy for me. Gold refined by fire, white garments covered to cover your nakedness and eye salve to combat your blindness. And I just want to be clear, Jesus did not open up an Etsy store. All right, that's not what is happening here. Jesus is challenging them by combating exactly what they are known for. What were the items again? Oh yeah, gold refined by fire rather than gold from the banks. White garments rather than the black wool. I salve so that they can actually see what they need. For they are spiritually bankrupt. The cultural contrast that is being created would have resonated in their hearts and minds like the ringing of a gong. They would have known exactly what was being communicated. But if that wasn't enough, it is only reinforced with the text. It is only reinforced with the text. As we see these three... Three elements have great significance, and unfortunately, we don't have the time for me to go through each passage and to be like, okay, this is, so I just want to give you a summary. Gold refined by fire oftentimes was a biblical expression of purity. White garments to cover their nakedness oftentimes signified purity, especially from the worship stained by idols. I salve to combat their blindness was a reference to their lack of spiritual discernment. The Lord is disgusted with the Laodiceans for they are not fulfilling their purpose. And instead, they have put their faith and trust in things of this world. They have surrounded themselves to the point that they do not believe that they need God. We did it ourselves. There's no need for a spiritual creator because we have everything we need. I got it. Car breaks down. I, that's okay. I've got the financial security to replace it. I'm living in a manner that I don't need to be dependent on God. The Laodiceans were challenged to fulfill their purpose while they sought to fulfill them, themselves with things from this world. We continue reading in verse 19 and 20. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Man, this is 
one of my favorite parts of this passage because we see Christ and we see, we see his desire to not give up. In spite of the Laodiceans being so far removed and so lost, it's not, it's not like, oops, <laughs> good luck, sorry. Like it's, it is very much, no, I am, I am seeking and desiring renewal of relationship. I stand at the door and I knock. Does this relate to anything we had just talked about as far as cultural context? Maybe the idea that Roman soldiers had the right to come up to your door to knock and demand that you serve. Demand that you drop your every whim, need, desire, and serve their every need. What does it say that Christ says here? Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door. That doesn't sound like demanding. That doesn't sound like force entry. That sounds like an invitation. Not only is it an invitation, but I will come in and eat with that person. It does not say that Christ will come in and you will serve him and you will, you will just be separate from him. Instead, you will eat with him. Guys, we, uh, we have taken some of these messages, some of these passages, and sadly, we, we, we've skewed them. All right, this passage right here, it is, just to be very clear, it is not talking about conversion. Sometimes when we hear the idea of ask, seek, open up, open up your heart, open up the door of your heart to Christ and accept him into your life. That is not what's being referenced here. Instead, it is a renewal of a relationship. The person on this side of the door knows the person on the other side of the door. This is a relationship that exists. And that is only furthered by the text. In the text, we see this similar quote, I stand at the door and knock. We see this out of Song of Solomon. Man, let me tell you, we're just hitting all the hard passages today. Uh, Revelation, Song of Solomon, like, we're not, we are not avoiding it. We are going right into it. Uh, For any of you who know, Song of Solomon is an incredibly intimate and graphic book. And for the sake of mixed audience and all ages, I'm going to do my best not to, d- d- um, not to avoid this message, but to wrap it well uh, so that you can understand it. Um, and then you can do more research on your own. But Song of Solomon is this like, it's this beautiful love story between a bride and her groom and the longing that they have for one another. And we, like, we, we hate this topic because we want to avoid awkward situations. But the reality is, like, there's something so beautiful, so beautiful about the intimacy of Song of Solomon. As we look at this book and we see chapter 5, verse 2 is the verse that I'm going to be reading for you. I slept, but my heart was awake. Listen, my beloved is knocking. Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove. My flawless one, to provide a little bit more context, this passage is talking about a groom on this side of the door and the bride on the other. The groom stands at the door and knocks, asking to be let in, to experience a relational intimacy that is intended for marriage. He does not demand, he does not barge down, he does not break down the door and say, hey, right here, right now. Instead, It's an open invitation for a renewal of a relationship that is so beautiful. 
so beautiful. That level of intimacy where you are incredibly vulnerable. You are exposed in every manner. Who you are and, and, and potentially your, most, your greatest insecurities can be on display for another individual to see, to witness, and ultimately to love. This is a beautiful invitation for renewal in relationship. Christ stands at the door and knocks, asking for us to be united. This is the picture for any of us who are, who are putting these puzzle pieces together. This is the picture of the church being the bride of Christ on this side of the door. The church being the bride of Christ on this side of the door. And the groom being our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, wanting to experience intimacy with us as his people, as his bride. This is incredible. I don't know how else to say it. Like, there's so much beauty. Christ sees the people of Laodicea. He sees that they are not fulfilling the purpose that they were given. He sees that they are seeking to fulfill their every desire with earthly things. And what does he call them to do? Does he say, try harder? Work better. Behave. No, he says, let me in. I stand at the door and knock with the desire to be intimate with you, to be in relationship with you. That is what I long for. That is what I long for. The passage continues with Revelation 3, 21 and 22. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. For those who have genuine, authentic, true relationship with our Lord and Savior, we will rule alongside the Lord. What a powerful invitation to be united to the Father. Just as Christ was united to the Father, we are united to Christ. And as a result, we rule and reign alongside him. We are invited to partner with the Lord in the furthering and development of his kingdom. Through the way that we serve, through the way that we care, through the way that we interact, we get to be a part of Christ's mission. We have an opportunity to worship, to glorify, and ultimately to honor our Lord Jesus Christ. What a powerful message. I don't know about you, but I can't think of anything that would be greater than that. There's no earthly possession that you could offer me to give that up. To give up the opportunity to be united to Christ, to serve alongside him, to serve in union with his mission. Church, I, um, I want to challenge, not just to challenge you, but the reality is this message has wrecked me, it truly wrecked me in so many ways. 
I have been convicted and challenged on just about every level, and I am still processing and praying through it. There's a quote from G.K. Beale's book, A Shorter Commentary. Fun little story. Nathan was like, hey, our teaching team, like, let's, let's talk about uh, G.K. Beale's Shorter Commentary. The book is 800 pages, everyone. Shorter Commentary, all right? It is a great read. I would encourage you to check it out, but it is a thick read, okay? Um, needless to say, this quote from it has really resonated with my heart. And I would ask you to concentrate and think about these words. The description of the church of Laodicea is probably uncomfortably close to the situation of the church in our culture. We must adjust our priorities to place kingdom first and be willing to give up what we cannot keep to gain what we cannot lose. Our share in the kingdom of God. Let me read that one part again. We must adjust our priorities to place the kingdom first and be willing to give up what we cannot keep to gain what we cannot lose. Church, my, my challenge for you is the same one that I have been wrestling with myself, and that is how much do I resemble the church of Laodicea? How much does my own heart, my actions, my spirit, my deepest desires and longings resemble that of a church that was considered lukewarm and disgusting to our Lord and Savior? One to be spit out of the mouth. Listen, I'm, I'm not here to tell you, but instead I do want to ask you. I have a number of questions I want to just provoke and have you think on. As we concentrate on the words of God, let me ask you, do you think that the Lord is disgusted with you because you are not fulfilling the purpose he has given you? Do you think that someday you'll stand before the Lord and he will say, I gave you ten talents. What are you bringing back? Let me ask you the question of, when you look at your life, does it look like you're prioritizing Christ? Do you find that there is time cut out in your day to be in relationship with our Lord? Or there is more of an attitude like, if there's time, we'll see what happens. Is church and the fellowship of believers a non-negotiable for you and your family? Or is it something that you do when there is not soccer, football, or some other commitment going on? Are we seeking to have a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior? Not waiting for someone else to teach and totally direct our path, but instead taking the initiative to study God's word, to talk to our Lord and Savior, to have a relationship that is not connected through somebody else, but is our own. Let me ask you, do you live your life in a manner 
where you need financial security or the security of our Lord and Savior? Do we live in a manner that is self-reliant or totally dependent? Are we worshiping other idols like status, financial, whatever else? Let me ask you, church, are we proclaiming the name of Christ to the point that our neighbors know that we are a follower of the Lord? Or do we act one way within these four walls and very differently when we are at home? Are we walking in relationship with God? Church, I, I do not share this to guilt or, or anything other than to challenge through the work of the Holy Spirit as I have been challenged this week. In the weeks of preparation, I have wrestled in ways that I cannot even begin to describe to you. You know, we very grateful for Dennis praying for us. I didn't actually know he was going to do that today. It was a huge blessing. Um, but for many of you parents in the room, life changes quite a bit when a child comes into the picture. You start to reassess priorities, values, and what you're communicating. I, I can't say that I even know what this next stage of life is going to look like because I don't. I have no idea. Everyone just tells me I'm never going to sleep again, and that's, that's not... Not going so well on my part, but that's okay. Um, my point is, like, I've really had to wrestle, like, if my child was witnessing what I do and how I act, what message would they understand? What message would they receive? Would they naturally see that God is the most important thing in my life, or would they see that I prioritize Netflix, TV, something else? Would they see that I have an emphasis to keep the time as a family sacred? Or would they see it as a tack-on when we have a moment? Will my little daughter see someone who is dedicated to the church in every way, caring for what the body of believers sees, grows, and wants? Or will it just be where my dad works? Like, these are the questions that I am wrestling with, and I'm not saying each one of you are either about to be a parent or whatever else, but I, instead I just challenge you to think of your own life and the questions that we are wrestling through to recognize what is the greatest priority. And I could tell you right now, if you're thinking about what other people are observing of you, it tends to reveal what your greatest priority is. When we think about what other people see when they look at you rather than what we see, it tends to show some pretty, um, yeah, pretty convicting things in my own life. But I praise God in the hope that he gives. Not because I leave this or want you to leave here feeling like, all right, John, I'm going to try harder. Tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., I'm waking up, read my Bible. That is great. Do, do that. That is good. Okay, I'm not saying don't. But the message I do not want you to receive as you leave these doors is try harder. Instead, I'm going to challenge you the same way that this letter does. The church of Laodicea was consumed by the things of this world, not fulfilling their ultimate purpose. But what did Christ tell them to do? Christ is knocking. 
at the door. He asks you to open and to renew an intimate relationship. Let me tell you, I'm not, I, I believe effort is valuable. Do not mishear me that you shouldn't try, okay? But instead what I am saying is being in genuine relationship with our Lord and Savior, fruit is naturally produced. Things naturally bubble up over and out. It is more sustaining than behavior modification for us to be in genuine, intimate relationship with our Lord and Savior. Because when you love someone, like you truly love someone, you don't have to try. It just naturally outflows from you. It naturally bubbles over and people see it and they look at it and they're like, wow, that person really cares. Let me tell you, church, our our challenge is to spend time with our Lord and Savior in relationship. I I know I use this illustration occasionally with students because it's very concrete, but I think it's valuable. When you have an intimate friend, like a relationship or a significant other or something else, you talk to them all the time. You get to know them. You listen. You value. You learn. Because you love. So many of us have completely put all of those elements off to the side and we just expect that we're going to have this incredible relationship with God. But we haven't talked, we haven't read, we haven't studied, we haven't listened, we haven't heard, we haven't dove into the renewing and the intimacy that we can experience with Christ, our Lord and Savior. Church, my challenge to you is let's spend time with the most important relationship that we can experience. Let us spend time in God's word. His transformational, heart-changing gospel. Studying it. Let us spend time in prayer talking to our Lord and Savior. Let us spend time in quiet. Listening to what God may be telling us. Let us renew the relationship. For Christ is standing at the door desiring intimacy. And let me tell you, when we are renewed in relationship with our Lord and Savior, we are invited to be a part of the mission, the partnership, to rule and reign alongside in his kingdom furtherment. We are so blessed to have that privilege and honor. At this time, I'm, I'm actually going to invite the worship team forward. Um, they're gonna be, we're going to be playing one of the songs. We're, we're going to sing a song uh, that I love. Um, the song is actually In Christ Alone. Because I do believe possibly the worst message you can hear from this is walking out the door thinking that you can do it without Christ. It's what it requires. Renewed relationship with our Savior, our Lord, our Christ. You know, the words of this song are convicting and challenging. And just as the church of Laodicea was convicted and challenged As God said, I am disgusted with you because you are not using your gifts, abilities, and purpose to glorify my name. Instead, you seek to fulfill yourself with the things of this world. Church, I am concerned that our church looks a lot like the church of Laodicea. That our hearts at points look to fulfill it with things of this world, hoping to fill the hole within our hearts. At the end of the day, Christ stands at the door and he knocks. 
asking for us to let him in so that he may eat with us, that he may be in relationship with us. So as we sing, I want to challenge and encourage you. Stand, raise your hands, seat, stay seated, whatever you want to do. One of the most beautiful things actually we got to experience during first service, Sam and I had a chance to talk about this, was the absolute volume by which this song was sung. Hearing the body of believers shout the name of our Christ, our Lord, our Savior. You can join in singing. You can choose to reflect however you would like to worship our Lord. But let us take this time to really process in whom we renew our relationship. Darkness slain, 
sanctifying who we are. The letter to Laodicea was one of challenge, conviction, and truth. We don't know exactly how the letter landed on the ears, the hearts, and minds of those in Laodicea. But the beauty in this picture, church, is we process As we pray, as we consider, are we the church of Laodicea? Is that we have an opportunity to respond. Not necessarily with behavior modification or trying super hard, but instead with renewed relationship in Christ. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Father, we love you. Lord, I don't I don't know where different members of this body are at in their spiritual journey, but I know I can speak for myself in saying too often have I been on the other side of that door listening to your knocks and instead desiring to serve my own purpose, find my own fulfillment. Father, I pray that you would give us a conviction and strength to lean into our relationship with you, that you would do a work 
Father, I, I know I pray this often, Father, that you would give us a desire to desire you. Give us the want to want you. Give us the longing to long for you. So that as we wake up and as we go to bed, you would be in total relationship with us and, and, and the, the work and transformation would be active and abundant. We love you, Lord, and we give you this day. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you for joining us for service today. We're going to have some, uh, those will be, yeah, praise God. We have some uh, prayer team up front. If you'd like to be prayed for or to have a conversation, please feel free. Thank you guys so much for being here and have a blessed and wonderful rest of your day.